Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. This podcast will be published every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood zero zero two at gmail dot com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayer List twenty twenty at gmail dot com. Good evening everyone. Welcome to our Wednesday night podcast and we're very thankful that you're able to be with us today. And uh, we're going to be looking at Second Corinthians chapter six and we'll begin reading with the fourteenth verse reading through chapter 7, verse 1 in just a minute. But uh, before we get started with our podcast tonight, uh, I wanted to say just a word about uh, Dr. Fred Minton. He uh, usually joins me in the podcast, and and, uh, he has one for tonight as well. And uh, uh, just to uh, mention that a lot of times what he speaks about is similar or uh, complementary to what I speak about and uh, it's not because we get together it's not because uh, we do this on purpose it's just the way it works out and I think it's God in it as uh, we do these podcasts and and uh, we're glad that we're able to do this uh, these together and and uh, have these for you and uh, hopefully it's something that is beneficial to those that are listening and we're very thankful that we have so many listeners around the world now that are listening to our podcast. Well, before I read the scriptures uh, tonight, uh, I sent out a email earlier today, and um, my nephew, my sister's son, was uh, found uh, dead today, and. Uh, uh, I want you to remember my uh, sister especially and all of our family in your prayers and the loss of our uh, loved one. And I appreciate your prayers about that. His name was Robin Webb. And uh, uh, we're going to miss him. Second Corinthians chapter 6. And we'll begin reading tonight with verse 14, reading from the NIV. It says, Do not yoke together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them, and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. 
your word that can teach us, can lead us, can help us. And Father, we pray tonight that we would take these words from your scriptures to heart. And as we look more diligently into your word and see the things that you're telling us, I pray that we might benefit from them and that we might use them in our everyday lives, that they will be something that will motivate us and help us in living for you. And I pray your blessings on your people as we think tonight on the subject of guarding ourselves from idols, knowing that idols is not what you want in our lives. You want us to worship the one true God and to follow you in everything. Again, Father, we ask your blessings on those that are listening, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. A recent study found that 56% of single Christians who identified themselves as fundamentalists have had sexual relations outside of marriage. Many pastors and Christian leaders report that an increased number of engaged couples have sex before their wedding. Several are living together. In his book, Postmodern Times, Gene Edward Veth, Jr., writes that surveys suggest that whereas Christians used to feel guilty and shame for indulging in improper sexual behavior, an increased number of professing Christians don't appear to consider immorality to be a serious issue. That's a change over the last several years. Something different than what I grew up with, certainly. Notice 1 John 5, verse 21. He says, Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Now, a lot of times in his writings here, the Apostle John addresses his hearers as little children. He's simply identifying with them, showing his love for them as part of the family of God and his family. The failure of Christians to separate themselves from their surrounding culture has always been a serious problem. This is idolatry. <clears throat> Let me say that again. This is idolatry. I know a lot of people don't think of it as such. But it is. Although some apply today's passage only to the question of Christians marrying non-Christians, and sometimes they might expand it to say that they shouldn't have... Um, partnerships and uh, have companies that are run by Christian and non-Christians working together. This is not all this passage of Scripture is saying. The large focus concerns this problem of idolatry. No doubt, Paul had taught about this on numerous occasions during his stay in Corinth, but the Corinthians probably had a hard time grasping this because Greco-Roman culture included the worship of multiple gods and goddesses. 
Now, what was a yoke? Did you notice that phrase? Do not be yoked together with unbelievers in verse 14. What is a yoke? Well, we're not seeing those in our everyday lives now, probably. I grew up knowing what a yoke was. But a yoke was designed to join two beasts of burden together. Two horses sometimes, or, or cattle, that they might be able to work together to pull a greater load. This is the image that we see in Matthew chapter 11. Verses 29 and 30 tell us, All of you take my yoke and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now what is Jesus trying to teach us here? This is saying that we're to be yoked with Christ alone. He wants to yoke with us. He wants us to team up with Him in living the life that He wants us to live. Yoking up with Him. Think about that. How then was the Apostle Paul applying this image to the Corinthians and their interaction with unbelievers? He certainly didn't advocate avoiding any contact with non-believers. This is made clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. He said there, I wrote to you in a letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. I did not mean the immoral people of the world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Otherwise, you would have to leave the world. In other words, he wasn't telling them that they were not to have any association at all with non-believers. He was simply telling them not to have close relations with these individuals so that what they were doing became what we do. The Apostle Paul was warning about alliances that compromised the Corinthians' walk with the Lord. His reference to Satan as Belial, did you notice that? What does that mean? Well, the word Belial comes from the Hebrew word meaning ruin or wickedness. This underscores the spiritual threat involved in an individual yoking up, having too close of a contact with those that are lost. He was warning about Belial or ruin or wickedness coming in our lives as we would do the things that those that are lost do. This underscores the spiritual threat that's involved, the danger of spiritual impurity. And it's often seen in Old Testament quotations woven throughout the passages, such as in Leviticus 26 and Jeremiah 32 and Ezekiel 37. We don't have time tonight to go and read all of these, but notice verse 16 of our text. It says, What agreement 
is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God and they will be my people. We then are warned that we need to leave the wickedness of the world and not live our lives in the same way that lost people live theirs. Notice verse 17. He says, Therefore come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. These speak of God's covenant promises with His people and His covenant relationship with us. He is quoting from Isaiah 52 and Ezekiel chapter 20, stressing Israel's need to separate itself from idolatrous surrounding nations. The Apostle Paul appeal to those powerful promises and the warnings that are in the scriptures as compelling incentives to purify our lives and live lives that are not like those that are lost. That other people might see Christ in us. That other people might be able to identify us as truly Christian people. As truly godly people. All idols promise life. They don't deliver, but they promise. But what actually happens is they take away life by demanding more and more. Humans were made for worship. So if people are not worshiping the triune God, they're worshiping something, something else. Believers aren't immune from idolatry. In our media culture, Many idols involve images from TV or movies that appear to promise life and significance. In our sexually obsessed society, idols often involve sexual addiction or pornography. In the Old Testament, a lot of times the individuals who were worshiping false gods were involved in all kinds of sexual immorality. And we think, well, we're not involved with that. But yet when an individual allows himself to be contaminated by the things of the world in these areas, we're doing the same things that they were doing. Whatever the idol promises, it can't deliver. God alone is the answer to our longings. We need to follow Him. The promise here is that if we will follow the Lord, He will help us be the kind of people that we need to be. Notice that last verse, chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Do we reverence God? Are we willing to follow Him? Do we want to let Him be the true 
leader of our lives? Are we following Him the way we should? Tonight as we end this broadcast, it may be that I'm talking to some that have never trusted in Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. You need to do that first of all. You can't follow the Lord until you know Him as your Savior. Give me a call or send me an email. And I'd love to discuss these things with you if you don't know the Lord as your Savior. And for those who do, if there's decisions that are needed in your life, contact me about that as well. Thank you for listening to our broadcast tonight. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being able to give forth your word using your scriptures to help us identify places in our lives where there needs to be improvement. I pray your blessings on those that are listening. Ask your blessings on our church and be with our services this coming Lord's Day. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stay tuned for a short weekly editorial with Face to Face with Dr. Fred. Good evening. Early morning is my wife's time with the Lord. This morning, I noticed that Marlene was reading a small book. Marlene said, this book was given to me right after I accepted the Lord Jesus as my Savior in Houston, Texas. I was 27 years old. A lady, Joyce Clark, the wife of a brethren pastor, who was my friend, told me about having a personal relationship with the Lord. I went to church regularly and even read the Bible through, but I did not know Jesus in a personal way. Marlene and I have talked about this many times. The book Marlene was reading, given by Joyce Clark, was rightly dividing the word of truth written by Dr. C.I. Schofield in 1959. My identical brother Frank called me from Texas. He and his wife Joyce were dining at a restaurant. He noticed a man about 35 years old all by himself. He was covered completely with tattoos, even on the back of his ears, Frank said. He looked like a monster. As Frank and Joyce left, Frank stopped and talked briefly with this tattooed man, concluding by saying, look, I want to invite you to my church. The tattooed man immediately said, I will be there. As Marlene and I were talking this morning, a 1980s song came to my mind. Yes, I'm the great pretender. Perhaps you remember it. The words are these. Yes, I'm a great pretender. Pretending I'm doing well. My need is such. I pretend too much. 
I'm lonely, but no one can tell. Oh yes, I'm the great pretender. Adrift in a world of my own, I play the game, but to my real shame, you've left me to dream all alone. Too real is this feeling of make-believe. Too real when I feel what my heart can't conceal. Yes, I'm the great pretender, just laughing and gay like a clown. I seem to be what I'm not, you see. I'm wearing my heart like a crown, pretending you're still around. Yeah, too real when I feel what my heart can't conceal. Being a clinical psychologist, tattoos first began to appear. I asked two young people about their tattoos. The first, a young lady, she had a tattoo like a ring on her finger. I hate this tattoo. You see, he left me. I can't stand to look at that tattoo on my finger. The second was a man 23 years old. I just got out of prison. The tattoo reminds me to never go back there. Marlene said, the scripture I tell people to read is Hebrews, the 11th chapter, the faith chapter that begins, now faith is a substance hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's a great scripture. Even our pastor mentioned it in church Sunday. Now the question is this, are you a great pretender? Oh 
that you're still around. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayer List 2020 at gmail.com. Thank you and God bless.